It is a pleasure to be with you as we are beginning the Advent season together. Now, in the past, Trinity has done something called the Advent Conspiracy. It's uh, something we do together as a church in which we commit to spending less on ourselves each year and more on others, giving to others, uh, giving to what God is doing around the world. But we realized as we came into this year that there's something that we really haven't done in really a long time, and that is highlight those missions that we have a partnership with that's ongoing, and to give you a chance to hear what God is doing in and through them, because see, a portion of our budget, a large portion of our budget, we just give away as a church, but rarely do we have an opportunity to hear from those whom those gifts bless, and so we are doing an Advent series this year called Joy to the World in which you are going to have a chance to hear from some of those missions partners about what God is doing in them and through them and how that is blessing those in other parts of the world. So this morning, as a part of our message, you're going to get to hear from one of our missions partners, but I think it's only right that before we uh, meet that missions partner and look at God's word together, that we allow God to prepare our hearts and our minds for the message that he has for us. So would you please bow your heads and pray with me? Lord Jesus, you are indeed Emmanuel, God with us. And so we give you thanks for this morning, this time in which we can gather together to meet with you. And Lord, in this Advent season, this time of preparation, we ask that you would indeed prepare our hearts, O Lord. Give us open hearts and minds to receive the message you have for us this morning. And Lord, I pray that the words of my lips and the thoughts of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. So as I said at the beginning of the service, this is the first Sunday in Advent. And Advent comes from a Latin word which means arrival or coming. It is a season that we celebrate every year as Christians, a way in which we take the normal days of our lives and we turn them into sacred time. Moments when we pause and we really think about what it is we believe and how does that shape how we live. And Advent is a particularly special season because it is a season in which we look both ways. Yes, we look back to the first coming of Jesus in that very first Christmas. That's part of the reason why Advent is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. But more than that, we also look forward because we recognize that just as Christ came once, so Christ will come again. And so Advent is a season in which we take time intentionally as God's people to prepare ourselves for his coming. And to ask the question, how do we live as Advent people? You know, several years ago, I came across a beautiful quote from Kathleen Norris, uh, the the renowned poet and, and writer. She said this, she says, I've learned how much the Advent season holds, how it breaks into our lives with images of light and dark, first and last things, watchfulness and longing, origin and destiny. Because when we celebrate Advent, we recognize that that we do indeed have reasons for hope. It's part of the reason why we, we focus on these four words each Sunday. Words like hope, peace, joy, and love. Because we acknowledge that when Christ first came, he came to give these gifts to us. To give us hope, peace, joy, and love. But we also acknowledge that those are gifts that we are now called to share. To live in light of, to pass on. Because just as Christ came once, so he will come again. And so this season, it really is an appropriate time. It's an appropriate time for us as God's people to ask the question, how do we live as Advent people? 
What does it mean to live with hope, peace, joy, and love in this in-between time, these in-between spaces? And so to help with that, we often look to passages in the Bible that we don't spend a whole lot of time of during the rest of the year. We go to the prophets, specifically to the prophet Isaiah, because the prophet Isaiah had words from God to speak to people living in an in-between time. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to get your Bibles out, uh, to open up with me to Isaiah chapter 40. And you can grab the pew Bible that's in front of you. You can go to Isaiah chapter 40. It's almost uh, smack dab in the middle of your Bible. Uh, That's where you'll find Isaiah chapter 40. And what's interesting about Isaiah chapter 40 is Isaiah 40 is really a turning point chapter in his book. You see, Chapters 1 through 39 were written to Isaiah's contemporaries. Isaiah lived around 720 BC and he was told by God to bring a message to God's people. Because the people of Israel, Isaiah's people, had not only turned their backs on God, but they were committing all forms of injustice and wickedness and idolatry. And so God sent Isaiah as a messenger. He said, I want you to speak to them, to call them to turn to repent, to ask for forgiveness. I want you to speak my words to them, warning them of the judgment that is to come if they persist in their wickedness and in their evil. And unfortunately, despite all of Isaiah's efforts, despite the constant word he was receiving from God, his people didn't listen to him. And so in Isaiah chapter 30, God tells Isaiah to do something. He says, Isaiah, I want you to take these words that I've spoken to you and write it before them on a tablet and inscribe it in a book that it may be for the time that is to come as a witness forever. See, starting in Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah is now writing to a generation that has yet to be born. He's writing to those Israelites who will be born and who will return from the exile. See, God said that his judgment was coming on his people, that they would be conquered by Babylon and carried off into exile. And basically, Isaiah chapter 40 to the end of the book, are these are God's words to the people who will one day return. People that Isaiah himself will never ever meet. And God tells Isaiah, I want you to write these words down to seal them up in a scroll and to entrust them to your disciples, that these words might be opened when the people return from their exile in Babylon, which is something that wouldn't happen until the mid-500s, around 530 BC. God says, Isaiah, these are words to those people, to those who are in exile and who will come back to this place. And it's interesting because the very first words that those people would have read, words that God gave to Isaiah, are these words that we find in Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 opens, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. But then Isaiah goes on and, and he, he kind of conjures up this image of a, of a watchman, a herald bringing good news. He, he says in Isaiah 49 and following, Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. 
lift it up and fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. See, the very first words that God's exiled people would have heard after so many years is words of good news and comfort. That in their exile, what God is saying is he's saying, prepare. Prepare for the day is coming when I will dwell with you once more. When I will be God in your midst, where rather than having a king or a nation to lead you, I myself will be your king and your shepherd. I will bring you back from your exile and give you everlasting joy and love and hope and peace. Isaiah 40 and many of the chapters that follow speak about a day when God will come and dwell with us. A day when there will be no more war when there will be no more violence, when there will be no more disease and death, when God will remake all of creation the way it was supposed to be. It is a beautiful promise to these people who hadn't heard words from God during their exile and their judgment. People whose ears had been too hardened to listen. Now open the scroll of Isaiah and they hear words of comfort and good news. But I have to imagine that that would have been hard for uh, Isaiah's people. That on the one hand, while those words would have been comforting, they also would have been confusing. Because they would have looked around them and they would have said, "But, but that day still isn't here yet. They would have gone back to Jerusalem, which was still lying in ruins. They would have still been under the the might of foreign nations. Although they would eventually be set free from exile, they would not have entered into the kingdom the way God is describing it through these chapters in Isaiah. They would have wondered, how is this possibly good news? And I think that that's where Isaiah becomes incredibly relevant for us today because I think there are many of us who wonder where the good news is. That we look around at our world and we say, great, it's nice that Jesus came once, but, but what about all the brokenness and the injustice and the violence that we still see taking place around us? Where is there good news? How do we live as in-between people? People living between when God first came and when God will come again. People living between the time when God made these promises and the day that he'll fulfill them. Which is why I think Isaiah 40, again, is a beautiful place to turn because Isaiah 40 ends with some rather interesting words. He says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Isaiah says, if you really want to understand what it means to live as in-between people, you need to have hope. Now, if you're looking at the uh, Bible or in your pew Bible, you're just like, wait a second, it doesn't say hope. But some translations actually say Wait. We read the NIV earlier, which says hope in the Lord, but but the translation you've got in your pew says wait for the Lord. So which one is it? Well, the answer is it's, it's actually both. Because this word for hope comes from a Hebrew verb, which, which is kava, which means to wait expectantly. So English translations will translate it wait, or they'll translate it hope, but it really means to wait with great expectation. And this kind of hopeful waiting is not a passive kind of waiting. It's actually an active kind of waiting. 
It's a waiting with, with deep expectation. It's the kind of expectation that causes us to start cleaning the house before guests come over because we're looking forward to hosting others. Or it's the kind of expectant waiting that, that, that happens when we start to decorate our houses for Christmas. I mean, how many of you already have some of those Christmas decorations out? I know the decorations started for us, you know, this, this uh, weekend. But I'll be honest, guys, we still have, you know, like four weeks till Christmas, right? Christmas isn't actually here yet. So, so why do we do that? Well, because we have hopeful expectation. We're waiting with expectation. It's the same kind of expectation that causes expecting parents to get the nursery ready, right? To paint the walls, to assemble the crib, to, to wait for that child who is to come. This is not a kind of hope that is passive. It's not a waiting that simply waits around. It's a kind of waiting in which we are on the move. That although we're looking forward to that day when the promise will be fulfilled, we start living our present day in light of that. That the present starts to be shaped by the future. We start to do things that give us foretastes of what is to come. That's the kind of hope that Isaiah is talking about here. He says, you know, if you want to renew your strength like the eagles, if you want to be a people who can endure in the in-between times, this is the kind of hope that you need to have. An expectant hope. A waiting that is still active. And I can think of no better word to describe what it means to be an Advent people. Because one of the beautiful things is that our hope is not just a hope without any sort of, of uh, promise of fulfillment. You know, I think that our, our, honestly today, many people use the word hope kind of cheaply. And it's just like, uh, are you going to get a bonus at the end of the year? It's like, well, I don't know. I hope so. You know, but we like don't really know. But no, the kind of hope that we're talking about here is a hope that we can, we can cling to because we know that God can deliver. How do we know? By looking back at what he's already done. By looking at the ways that he's already been fulfilling promises. That, that on that very first Christmas, God did indeed come and dwell with his people. He came in the flesh to be our shepherd. And that just as he promised in Isaiah 40 that he would come and he would forgive our sins, so Jesus has already done that. He came in the flesh and lived with us, walked with us, healed us, taught us, died for us, and rose again. In that moment, he forgave us our sins and ushered us back into relationship with the God who loves us. Which is why we say we hope that Jesus will, we have a hope that Jesus will come again. It is not an empty hope. Because we know that just as God kept his promises, so he will keep the ones that he's made to us. I think this is part of the reason why the Apostle Paul in Romans 5 was able to write these words. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him. We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us kind of hope that we can actually cling to. One that we know God is able to fulfill because he is a God who keeps his promises. 
That just as he came that very first Christmas, so he will come again in glory. And so we live as people of hope. Bringing foretastes of that future kingdom into the present. Advent is a beautiful season in which we can consider the ways in which we can bring foretastes of God's kingdom now. Where we can give that hope away to others in ways that that help them to begin to see just what it is we have in Jesus Christ. That's a part of the reason we do what we do as a church, but it's part of the reason we partner with the missions partners that we partner with. Because they are all about bringing that hope in tangible ways to different parts of our world. And this morning, uh, to help me kind of wrap up this message, you have an opportunity to hear from one of those missions partners. It's a missions partner that we call Ninos Con Valor. They serve in the country of Bolivia, and their flag is actually hanging here in our sanctuary. Does anybody know which flag is the flag of Bolivia? It's right over there. That's their flag. And this morning, uh, their director, Tyson, wanted to give you a glimpse of how, with God's help and by his leading and direction, they are bringing hope to the country of Bolivia. So watch this. Hey there, I'm Tyson. And I'm Carolina, and we're really excited to introduce you to Bolivia and our ministry with Niños con Valor. First of all, we need to introduce you to our family. Located in the heart of South America, Bolivia is a country notable for its incredible natural diversity. From low in the humid Amazon jungle, to the fruitful valleys, up into the mountain peaks of the Andes, the landscapes and the plant and animal life are simply breathtaking. Bolivia is equally diverse in its ethnicity, with 36 recognized ethnic groups. This diversity provides for a wide assortment of cultural expression as seen in the colorful and varied traditional dress and dance of the different regions. In the middle of Bolivia, 8,400 feet above sea level, rests the valley of Cochabamba. Home to nearly 1.3 million residents, the metropolitan area of Cochabamba is one of the fastest growing and modernizing regions in the country. Amid this beauty and diversity hidden beneath what on the surface is a family-centric culture lies a very different dark reality. With some of the most appalling domestic violence statistics in the Western Hemisphere, Bolivia's children suffer violence and neglect to degrees that are hard to comprehend. And with low government investment in social services, the suffering is often sustained with little hope for a brighter future. It is in this context that the ministry of Niños con Valor has been sharing Christ's love and seeking God's justice in the lives of some of Bolivia's most marginalized children since 2005. Our boys and girls come from broken homes, some have lost their parents, while most have been rescued from situations of extreme neglect and abuse. We are creating for them a new family, a space of acceptance and integration, where they can realize their dreams and, most importantly, recuperate the childhood and joy they've lost. We believe in quality over quantity and treat each child as the unique, precious gift he or she is. Our focus is on transforming lives one child at a time, and this is taking place through our four main programs. 
corazón del pastor, which means shepherd's heart, and pedacito de cielo, which means little piece of heaven, are our girls' and boys' residential homes. Here, up to 20 girls and 20 boys are able to grow up in a family-style environment where they are loved by an incredible team of faithful staff and discover the depth of God's love for them through devotions and participation in their local church community, La Trinidad. Our homes are unique in Bolivia as they focus on integrating children living with special medical and mental health needs. A third of our children are living with HIV, while another third requires other specialized care. We provide supplementary support to ensure our children are able to reach their potential academically and offer diverse extracurricular activities so that they can discover their interests and natural gifts. For teens struggling with serious emotional or behavior disorders, we have Bolivia's only residential therapy program focused on providing this population with guidance to redirect their anger and rebellion into more healthy, positive decisions and actions. Caminos Abiertos al Cambio, or Open Roads to Change, provides our teens with a strict routine, community service opportunities, and daily group and individual therapy sessions. In the two years it's been functioning, this program has demonstrated the success of its model, gaining the interest of the courts, social services, and many other organizations working with teens. Our fourth program was designed to assist older teens with a difficult transition into adulthood. Sendero de Esperanza, which means Path of Hope, is a three-stage program that prepares our children, starting at 12 years old, for the increasing responsibility they must assume as they get older. When they turn 16, our teens move into our pre-transition apartment. Then at 18, they participate in a four-year program which includes a transition home, academic scholarships, and finally external support as they launch out on their own. This program is crucial, as it is not culturally normal for young adults to live on their own at 18. And as it is one of the only few transition programs in Cochabamba, we also receive young adults leaving two other residential programs in the city. Our ministry is made possible thanks to church partners like Trinity. Your mission support and the support of child sponsors from your congregation are having an incredible impact in the lives of our children. We hope that in the next couple of years we'll have the opportunity to host a team from Trinity here in Cochabamba and that you'll be able to meet our amazing kids in person. Thanks for helping us transform lives, one child at a time. Lisa. Brandon. Ariana. Esteban. Noemi. Eduardo. Please. Alejandro. Mariana. Alex, Daniel. Alejandro. Alexander. Leslie. Matías. Uh, so thank you so much for your time and hasta pronto.
I love that they included uh, those last couple moments where you got to meet some of the kids. Because as you look at the faces of those children, that's what hope looks like. It's the kind of hope that then brings things like peace and joy and love. And so this Advent season, as you're thinking about, well, what does it mean to be an Advent people, people who live in the in-between time, it's really about giving that gift. Giving the gift of hope to others this Advent season, that can be done in a variety of ways. It can be done by sponsoring and supporting ministries like Ninos Con Valor. It can be done by finding ways as you leave the sanctuary this morning to go out to the desk to your right and see how you can make a difference in the lives of people in our community through our community impact team and the ways in which we're giving back. It could be as simple as taking time during the holidays to sit down and just listen to someone. You hear their story and point them to the hope that we have. But my prayer for us is that we would indeed be a congregation that gives that kind of hope. That that's what it really means to be people who are expectantly waiting. That we give people foretastes of the kingdom that is to come until Christ returns and reigns in glory to give us an everlasting hope. To give us a peace that doesn't end. To provide us with joy that is deep and abiding and the love from which we are never separated. It is in the name of Jesus Christ, our Prince of Peace, that we say, Amen.